Let's get this. Let's let's get this episode. Hey, are, are you all right? Your energy seems off. It's something. Something just feels wrong. Are are you dying again? Uh, you know, every time I try to recall anything about myself, I can't help but think about how great the flavor of Starbucks coffee is. And I'm pretty sure I was born and raised in a Starbucks. But according to my diary orb, I haven't been exposed to a Starbucks me in over a year. Uh, yep. Okay, you've been tempered by the Starbucks brand. You must have been exposed to a really good advertisement recently. Oh, I didn't know that was possible. I know there was that, oh, you know what it was? There was that viral trend about people ordering delicious, delectable, double caramel shot pumpkin spice lattes with oat milk, whipped cream, and fresh ground nutmeg? <sighs> It is with the latest advancements in atheric advertising. You know, increasingly we're seeing that the false reality has come to dominate the real as images dominate all of modern life. Mm. Hey, but don't worry. I actually I've, I have a cure. I brought one along. Look at this. What is that? A pig? What it is isn't super important. The, the What matters is that it's imbued with socialist magic. So it's going to de-alienate your soul and reestablish real human connection without mediation by commodities. Okay, I'll give it a shot. Because I don't know what I'll do to you if I don't get that latte in the next five minutes. Okay, that's ominous. Uh, just, uh, we're going to hold still. Oh, such warmth, light, and compassion and caring for my fellow beings as individuals and not as end-users. Oh, I feel so much better. Thank you. No problem. It really is that simple. I'm back to my normal self. That's how praxis occurs. Absolutely. Let's get started with the episode, shall we? Let's kick it off. Great. Let me just log into RSS and... Oh, there's a new ad here. That's weird. I thought we paid for premium. Yeah, that payment might have lapsed. Are you tired of your liquids changing temperatures faster than they otherwise would be were they not insulated in metal containers? Try the new Snowcloak Thermos. It'll keep your liquids the same temperature for moderately longer. Oh, damn. I do actually wish my liquid stayed the same temperature for moderately longer. Absolutely. Okay, now that we're logged in, let's record an episode of Glory Be to Snowcloak Thermoses. Ah, damn it. This episode of Storm Buds... We try to get back into our old accounts and guess random passwords. We drag an increasingly starstruck Grahatia around and to do a bunch of errands. And oh, fuck. Bahamut's back. <laughs> yeah, it turns out that happened. <laughs> that happened. Welcome to Stormbuds. Talk about a false simulacrum of the real, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm your host of Light, Jerome Barbatsis, and I'm joined by my co-host of Light, Alexander Hambrock. Say Hello. Good evening. If you're new here, this is the Final Fantasy XIV Recap Podcast on a mission, as usual, to spread the joy of Final Fantasy XIV and soon to be gaming in general. But we got just just over one expansion left of Final Fantasy XIV to cover. And it looks like a doozy based on everything we've seen here. <laughs> it looks like it's going to be a doozy. This episode, we are going to cover the very end of Shadowbringers, kind of bridging into Endwalker. It is 5.4, 5.5, and 5.55 of the main story quest. We're back on this shit. We got halfway through this and you were like, should we have done two episodes? Maybe, but we're going to do one episode for you. One super long, supercharged episode. That Now that I said, I'm sure will only be 60 minutes. I mean, it doesn't have to be super long. We could just, like, skip stuff. We could skip stuff. Like, and we, we need might. To get, like, do we need to get, like, those middle 13 quests? Some of them. 
maybe not. But before we get into that, you know, maybe these wouldn't take so long if we didn't get so distracted with our crime quests. We're doing crime quests. Welcome to Stormboo. <laughs> I don't think know I that forgot I... that this was in October, did you? I just wanted to scare you with this. I don't know that I did anything illegal in the last but couple of weeks. But what could be scarier than the thrill of evading the law with petty crime stories? Oh, I don't know. If I did do anything, it might be securities fraud. I don't know if that falls under petty. Don't worry. It doesn't have to be within the scope of the last couple of weeks. But the gag is, instead of talking about video games, we're going to talk about the time we broke the law. Oh, you're dead serious. Okay. Um, Why not? It'd be funny. <laughs> okay. Let me think. I mean, I'll start while you think. Remember that five-way intersection I used to live on in Minneapolis? I remember that intersection. I've (laughs) driven through the red lights on that intersection a total of eight times. I mean, I've I've gotten a lot of parking tickets. I'm trying to think. No, these are the ones you can't have been caught for. I accidentally shoplifted some raspberries once. (laughs) Tell us more about that. I put them in my bag and didn't notice. And then it was a self-checkout at Aldi. And I kind of didn't feel like digging everything out of my bag again to like pull them out and scan them. And I was like, you know what? They're like $1.45. So I just walked out. That's a fantastic crime for crime quests. I evaded traffic laws to go have sex faster. (laughs) Was it better because you got there faster? (laughs) Absolutely. <laughs> oh, what other crimes have you committed? I'll I'll go again. Um, when I emulated games in the nineties, I did not own original cartridges. Oh yeah, I think we I think we're all covered by that one. Um, ooh, I have my ad blocker still running on YouTube, even though they keep doing that thing now where they like put the annoying pop up in place to make you stop using your ad blocker. Oh. Yeah, fuck that. I'm still blocking them. That's vicious. But that's that's a victimless crime, surely, which is just fine. I mean, Google doesn't seem to think so. But have you beaten anyone up lately? <laughs> I have not. I have not gotten into any physical altercations. No. <laughs> what the, no. No burnt buildings or insurance fraud, right? No burnt buildings. What about you? You've been doing any drag racing lately? <laughs> you bet. I've been racing cows. <laughs> You're raising cows? Yeah, right, right down there. Right, right I down stole the some cows from a, a ranch up in Aurora, Illinois, and I, I put them on the track in... What, where is that dog track? Is that in Kenosha? Western Avenue? Western... There's one in Wisconsin, not there's one Kenosha. in Wisconsin. You're right. There's, no, it's in... Um, you put the cows on the dog track. Yes, they put the cows on the dog track, and I let them go. It, the race Did took... They- Did they run, really? Did the cows, like, run? (laughs) The race took three years. For one cow to wander from one side of the finish line to the other? Yes. Yes. It took, and it just finally finished. And now that the race is finished, I can't be tried for the crime anymore. It's, that's how the law works. Okay, I think the segment needs to be over. I think this segment is just beginning. (laughs) I threw a penny off the Empire State Building. Whoa. Holy shit. No, it's fine. It won't actually kill anyone. Terminal velocity for everything. Ter- terminal velocity for a penny is fairly low. I mean, terminal velocity for everything is like the same. But hmm. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Well, that's been crying quest. Oh, so now we're ending the segment. <laughs> I just needed to fill ten minutes. 
And now we're going to start on the, we're going to banish the vampire voice and we're going to get started with our main story recap. Ho! 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 If you didn't know what Endwalker was about before this, which you didn't, uh, do you know now, now before we get into this, do you know what Endwalker is about now? I mean, I've got an idea. I hope it's about more than this. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I still don't give a shit about Fandaniel. We'll talk about it. Ooh, hot take. Okay. Um, so we start off 5.4 and everyone's back from summer, br- summer break. The rundown is that Thancred and Urianger will head to Garlemald. Um, and they will spy on affairs there because, we, as we mentioned, there's a civil war at Bruin. And Alice says she has something up her sleeve that she wants to work on. A secret project. Before she could say what that is, Lise walks in. Oh, yeah. Her. She, she's here. And Grahatia is so starstruck with her. He's oh. just, he, he's a real sweet boy. And he's just so excited to meet one of the great heroes of the, of the time. Yeah. He cares a lot more than the rest of the community. But good for him. <laughs> Yeah. I hope his expectations were met. He's a, he's a source of positive energy. He is a sweet, sweet boy. And he will continue to be a sweet, sweet boy throughout the entirety of this patch content. <laughs> Lee spares updates about the Garlean War of Succession. She shares that the cousin of Xenos, Nerva, made a move for the throne, among other factions. And as such, Garlemald has basically started to destroy itself. Um, the Alliance wants our opinion, or the Scion's opinion on what to do with that, since we've dealt with them before. And we're off, um, we're off to meet with them, except for Alice, who then pipes about how, about how her plan is to find a cure for tempering. Big deal. Big deal. She invites us in case we don't want to go to that stupid meeting, to which we promptly agree. I'm glad we're finally doing something with this. I'm glad we're finally talking about mm-hmm. the whole, hey, it's kind of fucked up that people's souls just get permanently overwritten and you can't do anything except kill them. Yeah. Yeah, that would suck. Um, Alice thinks that if we could treat the light afflicted of the first, surely the other, other elements could also be treated. Um, if we want to research the subject, Graha suggests that we head to Ozis Law to see if the Allegans had anything to say about it in their vast repository of knowledge. And he offers his blood as a means to access the repository of knowledge. Sorry, the vampire voice came out. I don't know what came over me. There, and he joins us. Uh, so this will be a fun little field trip. Yeah, we head up to Ozis Law. We're wandering around. We, mm-hmm. uh, we find a report on iconic corruption that's E-I-K-O-N-I-C mm-hmm. by a man named Owen who has <laughs> the, uh, the elegant names were very creative. Um, so the contents have been deleted on the order of like one of his superiors. Mm. Um, or I guess on mm. the order of one named Eamon. Yeah. Yeah, pretty fucking important superior. <laughs> okay, yeah. The guy who at the top of the, the, the circus tower resi- revived yeah, Zan- yeah, Xander. Yeah. And- the, he, yes, he was. Well, okay. You seem to not remember. <laughs> No, I, this, is this is all the covered crystal in tower the, raids, you know, right? crystal, crystal tower raids where Grahatia came from. It's all kind of coming back. Right? It's like a year ago, man. I can't remember what I did like last week. That's true. Um, so he's the one who revived Emperor Zandi, who became so obsessed with his own death that he wished it upon everyone uh, on the planet and made a pact with the cloud of darkness to make that happen. Huh. Interesting. Weird. Yeah. Rhyming <laughs> with current events a little bit. Interesting. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, I d- want to make sure that, like, because we're dealing with the fucking Allegan Empire and okay. shit, right? Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I want to make fair. sure mm-hmm. that it's like, okay, we're just heading off any fucking confusion. That wasn't the real one. I appreciate that. <laughs> okay, real one still out there for who may or may not hypothetically in the future show back up. Is the real one still out there? Because I, fe- I feel like it's assumed that it- they're all dead, but I don't know. I feel like, what? I don't know. When is it covered? Okay, I'm getting bogged down with details that of my own making. Anyway, I know we'll try, for a fact we'll, that this is a clone because everyone in that, like Donut Unai were clones. Everyone in that thing was a clone. Right, okay. Anyway, point being, we need to track down another copy of Owen's thesis. Yeah. So we go check for it his studio apartment, which is a little, appears to be a little room in a tiny little habitation pod, which looks truly like an uncomfortable place to live. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's not, that's not the actual habitosphere. Oh, so, the so habitosphere is like the, okay, so the habitosphere is actually just like the giant apartment complex that looks like a pyramid that's on a separate island oh and graha just like flew over and dealt with it why is it called the haposphere then that's like uh, i don't know it was probably the sphere is generally like a sort of maybe it was like a hemisphere maybe but like we visited a round building so i said it was the haposphere yeah. i was like wow they all lived in there no it's like 40 it was feet the wide giant, no it's if you look on the map you'll see okay, that it's okay. a pin and the haposphere and the only time you ever use the haposphere is for like a secret like boss fate that shows up for heaven's word that like doesn't have a very good reward so nobody does it okay i'm sorry i'm really enjoying this conversation i will stop derailing us I no it's fine That's, this is more interesting a lot a lot of the time like these these side things are the fun things to talk about for me um anyway the um the whole complex the, has been on yeah. lockdown for 9,000 years. Basically. So, Grahatia is going to go in there and do some fancy schmancy stuff to break in. <laughs> and um, He doesn't need us for it. He doesn't need Alice and us for that. We So, he just says, hey, hang tight. It'll be a little, be a little bit. And then Alice uh, kind of takes this moment to talk about how this this thing, this iconic corruption by Owen, sounds like a, basically just sounds like a grad student's paper. And she's reminded of Alfano, right? And how, like, if this person's work was so counterculture that it was deleted by the then head, de facto head of the empire, um, probably just like Alfano, whose work was, um, let's say, uh, not approved of by their parents. Mm-hmm. Because he basically, his thesis was about how charlian had the knowledge that uh, to save the world and they have the duty to share that knowledge to protect all life um and charlian is of course as we know a very insular not a very insular star trek prime directive non-interfering kind of uh culture i don't i don't know that analogy holds surprise like the I think they're on the planet too, but <laughs> I, I, but I get what you're saying. And the point, like Alpha is like, all, they don't act like they are. Alpha has also always been like a huge, super earnest dweeb. It's what it sounds like. He's always just been like, what mm-hmm. if we just were nice to people and helped them because we love him because he's great. Yeah. Well, and she mentions that their dad was not pleased. Foreshadowing. Anyway, Grahatia returns with Owen's diary orb, which is a three foot wide floating sphere. I love to, I love to keep my records diary in the orb. three foot wide. <laughs> totally sphere. normal. Um, we activate the orb to try and get contents, uh, but we can't. I mean, it recognizes Graha's authority, but we still have to figure out the thing's dang password. Um, LSA, after dropping the surely the password is password trick because she's stuck in the year 1998, 
the orb goes into red alert more mode at how stupid that idea is it really gets mad at her we decide it, yeah specifically it, it, it's mad at her because it's in the presence of royalty in the form of grahatia and it's like how could you be so stupid in front of him we decide to bring the testy node back to sid uh, and the ironworks to crack they have a history of cracking allegan tech for oh i just bumped my mic they have a history of cracking allegan tech to and so they'll probably be successful at doing it again Back at the Rising Stones with the orb in tow, we get a meeting recap of the meeting we skipped. That's great. The Civil War rages. Uh, Lord Nerva is the biggest concern of the group at, uh, at large, and he's backed with money from House Brutus, which is interesting. Um, as our characters are aware, House Brutus was the family of Yotsuyu, and they are ostensibly all dead. But as the player, we know that one of their bodies has been revived and their fortune are being used to fuel fund a civil war. Alliance leaders are pretty sure it's a bad idea to get involved. So we're going to focus on our, our internal problems instead with um, the remaining tensions on primals and tribe relations, which sure be nice if we could offer them all, I don't know, a cure for the tempering that the like primals have caused. Pretty good chip. Pretty good bargaining chip. And they're like, holy shit. Yeah. Let's help with that. <laughs> So Sid is here, and he's going to help us hack the planet. Or, I, I guess, a small globe. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so we're, um, so he we, he sets up one of his those terminal doohickeys, and we, we crack the password pretty quickly, and we get to see Owen's presentation. I mean, I got to say, like, can you imagine if every presentation you had at college had to yeah. be like this? I, be like- <laughs> I like that the terminal, when it was done cracking the password, just, like, rang a service bell. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it would... Uh, I don't know. That's kind of like how teaching was. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had like an elaborate hologram every time well, with like props. Good, you had and to do a good Google slide and you had to have props and audio with it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But no, you didn't have to do, you didn't have to work with AI. It was probably pretty easy. Probably all done with AI. Really. Uh, Owen looks like he's a, uh, you, <laughs> I said he looks like he's from like one of the Tales of games. He's like, I, like that joke took me, uh, took me off guard a moment. I only played like Tales of Symphonia for about two hours and I was like, this is too anime for me that's what i'm I saying I'm, i like, can't handle this all like the elegant outfits like they look they have that kind of slightly over-designed look with like everything has too much trim on it and, and that was i don't know i remember apparently that game got praised for its voice acting but i was not a fan at the time um uh yeah the presentation is it's, listen it's complete fantasy babble but basically what hap- what he's learned what owen has learned is that a soul becomes stagnant stagnant or umbral as it aligns with any given element uh, and it just needs to be sort of recharged and the individual in question needs to remember who they are and it should in theory be possible to unstagnatize untemper their soul and it's interesting that the Allegan Empire said, hey, actually, people don't need to know that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they bring, uh, so. So, like, we need to, we need to, like, run a simulation to see if we can actually do this process. Yeah. And so we bring in a whole bunch of additional terminals with some running around and stuff. Yeah. But finally, we have a giant room filled with, like, 30 terminals. It's yeah, like the ultimate gaming rig. They theorize a bit about memory transfer and the process of doing so and what we've learned in the light and there's a whole none of it makes any sense uh be honest with you but it's it's cool they it's it's cool sounding it's basically just a matter of uh resources so we do some fetch shit we do some mid final fantasy 16 quest line shit to go fetch some resources for their gaming rig 
<laughs> they set up a giant gaming rig in the Rising Stones, and this thing can run Baldur's Gate 3 Act 3 at a stunning 15 frames per second. Wow. That is powerful. If you know, you know. Once it's all set up, we realize somebody who has been helping us set it up is the icon, the legend, the star, the man that got away with systemic oppression and genocide completely scot-free, Nero Tolskeva himself. Yeah, when you pointed this out, I was like, huh, (laughs) yeah, I guess... He got away with a being a high-ranking officer in a pretty nasty government. <laughs> like Gaius had to have like an entire arc. We did like we did a whole series of quests. To, and Nero like, got a slap on the wrist. Yeah, like he he does really just show up, but he's still being he, like a total he bastard. Got, he, got the, he got the Crystal Tower stuff, but still, even like compared to compared to the the reckoning that Gaius had in in the Sorrow of Verlet, Nero's walking around being a total being a total prick, and everyone's just kind of like, oh, that Nero. What a card. We love to hate him, but we need him, I guess. Um, so they have a, Sid and Nero have a brief nerd off, and then we get started with the process. <laughs> this fucking cutscene. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, the machine is overloading because they put too much nuclear energy into their supercomputer, and then it, the whole thing's like, we gotta shut it down, and Grahati is like, no, don't shut it down. Let it run a few more seconds. And we're then, so close. How How do you know that How we're do you close? know we're so close? Yeah, I... <laughs> <laughs> the progress bar it's almost done downloading especially because like the display that shows him the info he needs doesn't even pop up until the very end it's yeah. like the, the, like finally <laughs> a brand new display pops up but biggs is just like standing next to the clearly exploding machine going like oh <laughs> doing nothing to help like get away from it <laughs> yes as you said the terminal screen pops up <laughs> Grahatia, because he's a prodigy, he sees the screen for like one second before it shuts down. But he still, he still, he still memorizes all of it. Apparently, well, there's like a sec. It's like shows up. He's like there, and then it goes away, and the computer crashes, and then we're all looking at him like for about a split second. He's like, I've managed to memorize it. You know what my favorite part (laughs) of running complex simulations of intricate physical processes is. It's the bit where after you run the simulations, you always got it right the first time, and it immediately works correctly, and you never have to simulate it again. I, I love, I love it how when you simulate something, you always get it right. Graha is, I mean, he's he is the beautiful mind, <laughs> and we love him for that. You know what? It's great. Do you want to do the quests where the tests fail? <laughs> I fucking don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, whatever. We got the, we got the magic. We're going to go save Gabu. We're going to go on temper our, our little kobold friend. Yes. He seems like the ideal test subject. I see is the least dangerous tempered th- tempered person we know. I almost called him a thing. What a bastard I am. What a bastard you are. I am such a bastard. Anyway, we go to Maelstrom HQ, you know, where he just hangs out all the time. <laughs> no, <he's not> hurting <laughs> In anyone. that one stretch of like mm-hmm. the pavement. Yeah. And uh <laughs> We chance upon Alfido and Estella, who are here on official business, talking about their kobold relations with uh, Admiral, yada yada. We talked about that before. And we catch them up on our progress. We believe we have a theorized cure for tempering, and we're going to put it into action. In the ensuing cutscene, the we cast the spell. We, we give our juice. We give, we give our juice to Alice, and Alice gives her juice to Graha, and then Graha gives his juice to Angelo. <laughs> It's a whole daisy chain. It's a whole daisy chain of juice. Uh, there's some fancy rings and lasers, and Angelo is imbued seemingly with with the spell. 
The power to untemper someone. Alice goes off with Angelo. The if you remember, Angelo is the the porksy familiar that Alice has summoned, learned to summon on the first, and she goes off to administer treatment. And Alfino gets his chance to turn the tables and talk about Alice behind her back. Yeah, we don't get very much of that. Like he says some yes. very nice things. Actually, he's, mm-hmm. he's like, "Look, I have I have tremendous respect for her. How you know, like I, I admire her stubbornness. She is unwilling to accept the status quo. Um, and like, I would be a far better person if I like, if, and a far better scion if I had that as well. It's yeah. like, oh yeah, yeah, getting radicalized in real time here. Just what if the status quo actually isn't good, and you don't have to acclimate to it, and you can just fight it until it changes? Yeah, she's been the only one this time who has displayed humanness human empathy and emotion for people who are afflicted with something that is an illness that is obviously and a debilitating illness that and research into the treatment should have been going well going all this time but yeah so- because like honestly like they said that there had been some research that was given up on like decades ago because no one made any progress and i was like oh okay that makes sense and then we get the actual explanation from the elegans and i'm like that's not that complicated this is basically just the kind of like weird umbral astral soul shit we're constantly doing anyway really no one, no one figured this out before <laughs> no one knows anything about it apart from the scions i guess i don't know or no one pays attention when Rianje tries to explain <laughs> okay that's probably the fault might lie within the star card reader <laughs> Oh, anyway, is that a joke? Does that count? Does that? Count I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna call it. I'm gonna call that two comedy points. Yes, thank you. Alice stumbles in from off screen because it's an exhausting spell to cast, and behind her is Gabu. He's. He, he's, he's he's himself back. again. He's, he waves his little armies, and he gets a te- we get a touching scene where Gabu, in his his beautiful little quirky speech, explains what it was like to be tempered. How all he could think about was the great father, but in in his heart of hearts, he knew about his mother and father, and he knew about us. And over time, with well, with the treatment, he was able to finally grab onto those memories and remember who he was, which was really sweet. And he th- of course thanks Ali Say for the assistance and pledges to help out in any way he can uh we will be needing your assistance very shortly gabu we realize we may need to find a way to mass produce these familiars in the meantime and who should we need to see well yashtola's got an idea about somebody who is the leading expert in familiarity and familiar romancy the one and only matoya herself yeah not the fake one standing in front of us the real one Back to the cave. Back to the cave. What happens in the cave? Well, first, Matoya chides us for never visiting her unless we need something. Of course. Which, she's correct. We never visit her unless we need something. She's right, and she should say it. Um, <laughs> Alphano also lets slip that uh, over in the other world, Ishtola was using Matoya's name. Uh, he failed his charisma check. He rolled a two. <laughs> <laughs> and she... She kind of starts going off. I believe the line we have here is, you mean to tell me you went gallivanting about using my name and only bother to visit when you need a favor? And don't pretend you don't. She's not having she, it. She's not having it. As she shouldn't. She She's always right. <laughs> so we relay the issue and she's like, yes, of course, I can help you. I can always help you. Uh, what if we created a mother porksy to mass produce additional porksies for other uses? So that we don't, and we don't die making them. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna go to her old workshop where apparently she used to mass produce familiars oh fun convenient but we'll need to clear out the old creations because you know what it is it's a dungeon time <gasps> it's dungeon time should i call him in i think we should bring him in all right gabo here he comes oh the way his feet patter on the floor it's so cute 
Oh, fuck. Oh, I hit the mic. Wow, he made the whole desk shake. <laughs> I'm so excited. It's been so long. What, what have you guys been doing without me? We've been, uh, we've been, we've been not doing anything that. What? <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. We've been playing so much content that has, isn't dungeons. That's fine. You don't have to apologize for that. It was just, it's just a normal question. I, I haven't just, been here. I'm just trying to catch up. I was just really self-conscious because I was worried. Why you do you always treat me this you. way? <laughs> I don't take everything personally. It's just a goblin. Okay, well, I'm glad you're not taking it personally. Have a normal conversation with me once, Jesus. All right, Matthias Relic. Time to recap the dungeon. This dungeon's fantastic. We got we got to go into we got to follow a bunch of frogs, and the first frog takes us into Mud Town, and the first boss we fight the Mud Man. The Mud Man. This boss is actually pretty straightforward. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. He just summons balls of shit off the side, and you gotta drag the shit into the fucking drain. It's gross. Yeah, it's like like you're like playing snooker. They over say here. it's mud, but you know it's poop. You know it's a poo poo. It's got the consistency of of poo. Familiar's got a shit. It it looks like it looks like the 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 fucked up sewer spirit from Spirited Away. <laughs> Oh, that's a pretty good comparison. The next boss is the water nixie. It's a little water familiar. And then you got to get knocked up on his platform and kill his little water friends. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You if, you, if you know what's going on, you can do it pretty quick. But you're kind of, you're trying to kind of figure it out. I did. I did. I did miss it twice. Oh, well, the next time you'll know. And the final boss is the mother porksy herself. Oh, she's mad. She's so mad. She's pretty mad. We had to, we had to like had to beat, beat her up to make her listen to us yeah pretty much good to show her who's boss she blows us around she tries to snort us into the side we gotta run up she got a bunch of wind mechanics with their little snout she goes honestly this entire dungeon is like the most refreshingly straightforward one i feel like we've had in a long time yeah and it's pretty good pretty good vibes little witchy music for october Great vibes. witchy little music oh playing. yeah weird like scooby-doo <laughs> shit that's my theremin do you like it Let's, let's do the let's do the let's do the song together. Alright, I've overstayed my well, I can tell. Alright, I'll see you guys later. There's, There's a, a second quick dungeon, one, right? Yeah, there is a second dungeon. Alright, I'll be back. Oh, you can, you can wait and you can wait in the kitchen. All right, can I have some food? No, you can't have any food. Please, please don't eat the salmon in the fridge. Do not eat the salmon in the fridge. God, it smells so good. <laughs> All right. All right, well, that was great. It's good to see him. It's good to see him. Uh, but we got to get on with the rest of this. Uh, the recap, he'll be back later for 5.5 shortly. We successfully imbued the mother porksy with all that juice we mentioned, with the aforementioned juice, and Grahatia immediately enters his refractory period. You wrote this joke down and I didn't want to remove it, but... <laughs> I was going to remember it anyway. We... <laughs> anyway, not... so now it's... we can actually make more porksies without, you know, like taking a piece of Grahatia's body every time. Yeah. After Matoya and Matoya have another family battle of wits, that second Matoya was said with quotes. Did you hear the quotes? I heard the quotes. Great. It was pretty good. We leave We leave the workshop. Great. Cool. We got the anti-tempering treatment uh, settled, and we uh, can now go help them pirates out with their beast tribe troubles, right? We meet up with Admiral Mervib, 
who is stoked at the news, but points out there's still a huge rift between man and beast man. Ah! She catches herself here. She says, hey, that's not okay. That was maybe okay last decade, but this decade, we're not saying that anymore. What is this, like 3.2? This We're going to guarantee a reconciliation between our peoples. These are people, and we should treat them as such. That's growth, baby. Fucking finally. Uh, the Admiral has an idea of a possible source of strife of late. Despite ever-worsening relations, she says, between the Beast tribe... Oh. Yeah, she's still Did not... Did you go immediately get into it? I was like, this is a direct quote. Between the tribes and the Thalassocracy, neither Titan nor Leviathan have made an appearance of late, suggesting that the Kobolds and the Sahagan lack the means with which to summon them. And if we investigate this, surely offering to help them with their supply of crystals will do something, some to smooth things over. Uh, as we investigate, Wait, we learn... Now that we actually say that, that's... <laughs> If we offer to help them with their supply of crystals, but we don't want them to summon Titan or Leviathan, and also the whole point is to strike a deal by which they won't summon Titan and Leviathan, what else do they use the crystals? I guess they use the crystals for other things? I don't know. This, the crystals are just the supply of their supply of ether that they need. Ether okay. is used for a lot of things, I guess. I'm okay. not sure. Okay. But the point is, it's still it's still an object of their faith, and we should show good faith by giving it to them and be like, "Hey, please, we're just going to give you these crystals." I guess yeah. Like, show of, <laughs> you're right. Like show of trust, right? We're we'll give you the crystals. Please don't summon Titan. Yeah. Um, we investigate and we learn there's a sect of pirates that are Kohold and Sahagan haters who want nothing to do with this. This is probably their fault. We take uh, we we track down their leader, Captain Jean Luc Sicard. <laughs> <laughs> you were also very proud of that one. <laughs> His name's just Sicard, who turns out uh, has come into wealth by dealing in delicious crystal confectionery. We stage a meeting with the crystal candy vendors, and Graha goes in and talks to the candy merchant because we're too famous and Alfino is too much of a fancy fuddy-duddy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so Graha Tia tries to, like, you know, fool this merchant into, like, being like, hey... I'm here to do some business. Mm. Can you take me to where the business happens so that we can conduct some business together? And the guy is like, yeah, sure. Come come with me and I'll take you to the warehouse and you can look at the wares. And then Grahatia turns to all of us hiding across the way and gives an enormous thumbs up. And then <laughs> we're ruining any chance of secrecy. Mm. And then we follow behind him. And uh, it turns out, hey, you know what? Uh, Captain Shikard has been taking his uh, rock candy from all the kobolds. And also this whole meeting was a trap. And he comes up from behind us and is like, who the hell are you? Oh, who could have seen that coming? Uh, but he decides it's probably not the best to actually fight us. Uh, he just wants to talk. Yeah, because his actual deal here is like the way that he looks at it is like, look, hey, there's no formal relations really between like, you know, the the, the Limsa Luminsons and the, what would you call them? The, the pirates, the people of this I, region I um i guess i think these are this sect of pirates is called the bloody executioners yeah, the, the, the bloody executioners or like the limbs laments or general like there's no mm. real formal relationship between them and the kobolds and the sahagans so therefore it's not really stealing if you take their stuff and so like so his mm. whole point is like i want to keep robbing them so if we go into an official peace accord and everything gets hunky-dory i can't keep robbing them without there being consequences so not in my interest well, those are his actual motivations but what do you 
says what how he justifies them is that you know the effect is that because there's no crystals there's fewer primal summonings um and he specifically compares himself to us and our work in fighting the kobolds and subduing titan uh which is gross because what he's doing is obviously just attacking and exploiting kobolds yeah this kind of moral dilemma never works in a video game like this because everything we do is so absurdly selfless and like has no real like monetary or material effect on like our character isn't selfish so there's no comparison yeah we counter that since his business is so legitimate surely a meeting with the admiral about it wouldn't be so hard at all you know so that you could just make sure that it's everything's above board and you can keep doing it and getting your wealth sicard agrees and extends an offer to meet with the admiral and everyone meets aboard his ship the pirates are pissed because they want a pirate and they say you can shove your piss they do say you can shove your piss. They can shove it. I don't know where, but you can shove it. But Merlib lectures these brigands about how piracy stinks. Piracy has no place in our future. We must offer trade and equivalent exchanges. Equivalent exchanges. Equivalent exchanges. She says it three times like that. To truly get the best loot, capitalism is the future. Well, mercantilism, at least. We'll see if we get to capitalism. Mercantilism, yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. There's a lot of bangers in this speech. Like, it's actually a really good, uh, like, you know, Mm. sort of um, speech that she gives to them. But, like, there's one line in particular we wrote down here. um, But if we cling to the old ways, this great ship we call Limsa will trade the boundless seas for a lagoon. Shall we scorn the world's wealth for a plundered pittance, then? Like, if I believed in the power of, like, compelling rhetorical speeches, I'd believe in this speech. Yeah, Merva slaps here. Uh, the two, Merlib and Sicard fail to see eye to eye, though, and thus they must settle their differences, as pirates are wont to do, with a pistol duel. It does not go well for Sicard because Merlvib, as we know, is capable of one-shotting Sahagans from about 100 to 200 meters away without even looking. <laughs> Remember that cutscene? We do get our... Yep. Remember that? It was, yep. It was, it was 2.2, it was right before Leviathan. It was, she was shot one Sahagan, and then the dark orb came out and then went to another one. She's like, God damn it, shot another one. <laughs> Anyways, we prep for our <laughs> duel. Fucking, and sweet. We prep for our duel and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Oh, we were gonna do that bit, weren't we? I guess we were, I don't know. <laughs> Did I just kinda do it? Yeah, that's true. She fucking legs a card before he could do anything. <laughs> she absolutely destroys this kid. Yeah, this is not a contest. <laughs> and and be- then the captain of the actual captain of these pirates, who who like had like lung disease or something, like yeah. he was sick. So Sicard took over. He's then he, he comes out and he just delivers the most sort of like I'm disappointed in you, son, but we're all good guys here, so let's all do the right thing. Type speech. This yeah. one's a little less grounded for me. This one I'm a little like you're you're a little too much of a perfect dude. <laughs> but yeah, he. Well, what his point is, is that they're missing the entire reason for piracy was for freedom. And that was um, because they were driven out from their, their ancestors were driven out from their home in the Northern Empty, which is somewhat close to Charlian. Um, And they were down here and piracy was a means for them to actually gain resources to live off of. But now these people just want to pirate for the fun of it. And it's like this. No, that was a that was a last resort. <laughs> stop being dumb. So they agree to stop being dumb. The pirates agree to stop being dumb and give us back the crystals. The end. The great ship Vilbrand is this giant fucking hour long quest <laughs> that is upcoming. Okay, so um, so we find out here that the, this whole 
what the entire relationship between the kobolds and the people apparently is one clause in one contract that says to men shall go the bounty of the sea to go to kobolds shall go the bounty of the land um and like you know i do i do rag on this game sometimes for having like you know not baked out a lot of detail in stuff like this but actually this is exactly the sort of weird, vague, interpretable clause that comes up in like yeah, yeah, old yeah, contract yeah. law all the time. Yeah, so like when uh, when uh, Spain and Portugal agreed to like uh, on a random fucking meridian line to settle South America, exactly. And then it turns out most of South America was to the left of it. <laughs> <laughs> Portugal's exactly. like yes. <laughs> basically, basically that happened here, mm-hmm. and they kind of riffed on it. Anyway, so we we got the crystals back. We got the untempering stuff. Now we can go have an audience with the high priest of Titan, try to untemper them, and then see if we can win some of the kobolds back. And this is basically a duty. But in this cutscene, we it was a it was a trap. They're like, great, thanks for all these crystals. Time to summon Titan, and then we um, heroically restrain the high priest before he can do so. Um, we fight off some kobolds in the duty while we protect Alize as she readies the untempering magics, and we successfully detemper the high priest of the kobolds. The admiral and definitely not Mistbeard, <laughs> who is her right hand man, makes some heroic sacrifices as part of that duty, which is really cool. I thought it's a really enjoyable duty. Um, but. Uh, anyway, once the high priest is cured, he has to reckon with the sacrifices he's made in Titan's name, and he's not pleased about it. Um, and to his credit, he is very much like, my God, what have I done? But also, I don't immediately distrust you. Like, we're going to have to, like, I, <laughs> yeah, still, we got to negotiate here. Yeah, Merva begins negotiations with the clearly distraught high priest, but in doing so, she immediately takes complete responsibility for all kobold grievances and makes a total apology. That's nice. Gabu also vouches for her and our character. She offers to revise the pact, um, but even still, the kobold does not trust her. So as a sign of faith, she offers her gun to the high priest in order for him to exact the appropriate punishment for her crimes, which is written in law. If anyone should, you know, do this or encroach upon these, they are given the death penalty. So feel feel free to shoot her. She broke the law. She admits it. Feel free to exact punishment. The, um... Line she says basically when she says it a little more poetically she says a single bullet to an all the old pact and a, my blood to write it anew it's a sacrifice she gladly make for for peace the gobold the high priest picks up the gun and after the sound cuts out a heartbeat races uh, and heavy breathing noises play in our ear we hear a single gunshot and a cut to black but then as we fade back in the gun is pointed in the air. Turns out Gabu vouching for us really paid off. I mean, he still fired it, right? He still was he like, still I, I want to confirm there's a bullet in here. Like, yeah. but <laughs> yeah, 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 there was a bullet in here. Cool. Uh, you were serious. You were serious about this. And God bless you, Gabu. <laughs> that brings us to futures rewritten. Uh, but not, not really. I'm sure he's done with gods right now. But, you know, futures rewritten. Just as we finish up our business with the kobolds, a, ma- a maelstrom? Maelstrom? Maelstrom. Maelstrom. Soldier desperately requests we follow him. There's a nasty-looking tower growing out of the old capital of Nime. What yeah, the fuck? I did not see this coming. Just like it, it, it's very sudden. We're just we're wrapping up these other quests, and all of a sudden they're like, "Hey, so a weird, like thousand-foot-tall bone tower just appeared on the <laughs> landscape." And it's like, "Oh yes, yeah, su- suddenly, like over the course of two hours, over the course of five minutes, how qu- how quickly did it appear?" <laughs> 
Nobody was looking. <laughs> Nobody was looking when the then, bone tower we, went up. And we turned around and it was all, it was there. It's emitting some kind of weird red bullshit, which doesn't look good. Not Red's not a great color. To, red's not a great color of bullshit to be emitting. That's a pretty, that's a pretty threatening color. A rep from the Twin Adder calls up the Admiral on, uh, Twin Adders calls up the Admiral from Link Shell, on the Link Shell, from Link Shell, via Link Shell, via Link Pearl, who cares, and informs her they're appearing everywhere all over the planet. The shell's like, is there some joke with like SSH here? <laughs> Single sign shell, security, super security, SSSH. <laughs> the super security sign shell, on shell. shell. <laughs> Link shell. Anyway, um, <laughs> we are to meet up with Lise and the Alamegan resistance with some reports and uh, who should show up for this whole thing. But our friend Fan Daniel oh. on the back of a cool dragon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're uh, we're in the Royal Menagerie, uh, if you remember. We 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 fast traveled there, made up with the Alamegan Resistance because there was a tower there, right? Uh, and he's got a cool Bahamut dragon looking dragon with purple little filigree on it. And he, Fan Daniel, we learn is quite foppish and theatrical. He's just fopping it up. Oh yes, we finally meet. He's fopping all over the place. Fan Daniel makes it clear what his goal is. He wishes to bring about the final days that the Paragons, the Unsundered Asians, sought to prevent. He and his band of merry men, a fanchion, faction of fanatics, a fanchion of facatics, <laughs> called the Telophoroi, are intent on making this happen for the Empire. And he has been the one giving it power and money. And also, he's been working with our dear friend, Xenos. Uh, he invites us to reunite with him at the heart of the chaos. And he also shares that Xenos's goal is to relive a certain transcendent moment and uh it would be really cool if we could go there and make that happen for him it's like it's like he reveals that xenos wants to remake the moment with us Mm -hmm. and he also reveals that his motivation at least i stated is he wants to die and take everyone with him Basically, yes. So I have I have a quote snipped here. It says, uh somebody LSA as as usual asks the reasonable question why? Why do you want that? And he says, because I want such wretched creature, creatures who ask such meaningless questions to die. You and you and you and you, I want you all to die and I want to die too. Oh yes, I want to die and take everyone with me in a paroxysm of pain and suffering. He's fabulous. That's a pretty good fan, Daniel. <laughs> he's pretty, he's, he really speaks to my soul. As- <laughs> <laughs> he does he? <laughs> um and xenos basically xenos has a very maladjusted human being sees that he's just causing destruction to get our attention <laughs> I, like. look these two these two are a real bad power couple i mean like, like they certainly are are a terror to behold together i just mm-hmm as soon um, he te- before before we could really make him pay for that, he says, "Fuck it," and teleports away. <laughs> and then his lunar Bahamut, which yeah. is the name of like the the Bahamut mm-hmm. looking dragon, puts the castle on fire and flies off. Great, cool. Um, so we uh, we come up with we hatch a plan here to go grab Estinian to help with the dragon because that he would probably be very interested and educate everyone on Porksy. Use. Uh, I, we have uh, to, we, to, we to continue up. with all stuff. All amigo being a bit underbaked. Also, yeah. the fire just gets put out off screen. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's under it's underbaked because they didn't let the fire sit long enough. 
Nice. I got I got three snaps. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> least worries about a scouting party. <laughs> sorry. The game cuts to a meanwhile in Girabania. Lise is worrying about a scouting party she sent to the towers. One scout comes back from the towers all zombie-like, and he's like chanting about stuff. He says, Glory be to Garlemald. What? what? That's weird. He slashes at Lise, and it's a fade to black. Um, At the palace, another cut, Fandaniel monologues dramatically, as he is wont to do. That's my new favorite phrase. About how the plan is apace, and Xenos does not care. Fandaniel zoots away, <laughs> fucking high on whatever he's high on, and Xenos thinks, man, this sword sucks. This sword sucks. What do we think Fandaniel's high on? We think like like a lot of uppers, right? Xenos is Kelly. Listen, I'm trying to say. <laughs> you know that Xenos is Kelly. He's looking at his sword, and he says, I'm going to get what I want. <laughs> Throws the sword to the ground <laughs> and steps on it and breaks it. <laughs> That brings us to 5.5. Yes, and that is the end of 5.4. And 5.5 has us reuniting back in the Rising Stones with Thancred having returned from his scouting party with Uriangier. And Garlemald, it turns out, is in ruins. Total ruins. But the civil warfare itself seems to be over. The Imperial Palace is the only place with any activity, and the soldiers are all fervently transforming it into something weird. That's we don't weird. Know what it is. The workers are so fervent that they appear to be tempered. It's an interesting development here in the studio. We make a way for Alamigo to attend a meeting with General Raban on the matter of a plan of action for the towers, which is a strategic location because, of course, it is closest to Garlemald. When we arrive, we're greeted by Arinvald, you know, that blonde dude with the echo that's obsessed with Fordola. Yeah, this guy, I totally remembered him. He is in the same cabinet that Ranjit is in. He's here for doing some work with Fordola, which makes sense because that's... That's All he whole cares deal. about, I guess. Moving on. <laughs> we headed to the meeting with the Alliance leaders. The Alliance leaders uh, take forever to say it, but what they tell us in so many words is that the scouts were tempered on their mission when they got too close to the tower. Orianger, what? Orianger deduces that these souls were tempered to a nation instead of a primal, given Which, like, what they've been saying. This is like an interesting seed and i'm curious what they'll do with it in endwalker i mean like this game's relationship to religion has always been kind of weird mm-hmm. especially because now we just never talk about like the 12 anymore like it's <laughs> like but yeah. like like and now if like is this going to expand into a larger sort of like you know perspective on ideology like as like a whole i yeah. like like nationalism um jingoism like relating that to sort of like the way that like the tempering is sort of like a stand-in for like you know obsessive religiosity or obsessive sort of like you know loss of self in that way i i don't know that the game let's find out what it does with it yeah. i am curious to see um, in walk, our favorite characters are involved in Fordola, <laughs> as they are to they are to head an expedition into the towers with the blessing of light as their shield. Since it seems to be tempering, folks, makes sense to have a proper protection. Mm-hmm. Fordola spends a bit of time here talking about how she wants to know what it is she fought for if it all fell to ash so suddenly, and are involved talks about how he wants to feel important for a bit too long yeah Arnvog it's a whole speech here about like how he wants to uh you know like really prove he can be heroic or whatever and it's like oh you it's you unearned, are not coming out of this but, and- 
It's so unearned that it's really suspicious. <laughs> you, you're this is like a big old death flag being hung over your head, huh, Bunny? Yeah. Well, Tataro rings us up and she lets us know that she found Estinian because, of course, she did. But he ran off as soon as she mentioned Bahamut because, of course, he did. We try to intercept him in Ishgar. <laughs> we find him there at the uh, um, airship landing. Uh, we're there with Alice and Graha, which is mm-hmm. great because Estinian immediately mistakes Alice, yeah, who we, he has not yet met, for for Alphano. Yeah, we happen upon him at the airship landing after a bit of a search uh but he i mean he happens upon us really so before we could get a word at edgewise he immediately t- starts just babbling on and he mistakes alice for um her uh brother calling her more rugged and the strong silent type which is extremely offensive to her uh if you've played this game you remember this cutscene. in the moment it, it does not go well and grahatia as he is wont to do that's my phrase i'm saying that you seen like multiple times. I yeah. said, there's a lot of wanting in this. <laughs> He's so starstruck that his eyes gleam over and Astinian dumbfounded turns to us for an explanation. We mm, kind of shrug silently when Alphano shows up from off screen and does his best to diffuse the situation. Um, Astinian's plan was to effectively borrow an airship to Aziz Law to entreat with Tiamat so that she might have some insight on the latest incarnation on Bahamut. You remember Tiamat? Did you remember her before? Yeah, I remembered her. Yeah, Dragon Lady in prison. Yes, I did remember her. What? That's awesome. Different cabinet than our involved in Ranjit. <laughs> That's a cabinet above. Good for she, her. She was cool and had interesting things to say. <laughs> she was both cool and had interesting things to say. Two things that the other characters did not have. I will say those are fair criterion for putting them in the good cabinet. All right, so she was his original summoner, and I think that's pretty insightful of him. Sweet plan. Let's go. Um, so the next couple of quests, Righteous Indignation and Four Vengeance, we basically get immediately teleported to her. Uh, and shackled only by her guilt for summoning Bahamut, Tiamat re- remains in the Delta Quarter of Aziz Law. This time as we approach her, she remembers us as the trusted champion of her father, and she asks us just plainly what we want. We apprise her of the situation, and she confirms that she sensed nothing, so this Bahamut is not the original summon. Which, I did not think it was, so like the yeah. fact that they wanted to confirm this was confusing to me, but okay, eh, it's not the original. That's how science works. Yeah. You know, sometimes sometimes you do tests, you're like, okay, whatever, this is gonna, whatever. I know that the, I know that the ozone layer is fine, but I'm just gonna run some tests on it, and then, that's weird, there's a hole in it. You know, what if, what if, right? <laughs> But, but interestingly enough, though, this Bahamut is still being produced by the souls of their children, much like the original, mm-hmm. all those dragons and tanks that we, I think, saw before. So uh, Fandaniel must have control over the child dragons and is using them to sort of make them worship and summon lunar Bahamut. Yeah, one of those one of those towers must be where the some of the coils were. Uh, interesting, interesting connection. Wonder if there's anything to do with the Algon Empire at all. Estinian pipes uh, the fuck up at this point and demands she actually do something to atone for her actions instead of crying about it. Tiamat agrees, but retorts with a very valid concern that her soul is ever so slightly tempered to Bahamut, so if she does try to do anything, it might be for him rather than against him. Against him, so Guess we gotta do the biggest untempering yet. Alice does reassure her that there's a cure for tempering now, and surely we just need to uh, up the dosage a little bit for a big lady. <laughs> <laughs> the mission thus is to cure Tiamat, so we're already here in Aziz Law. There must be some information about her and about untemp- more about untempering, so we split up. The smarties go look into Tiamat's behavior and condition, and the dummies, Estinian and I, and 
I guess Alfie know where to break the shackles. Yeah, we go we go talk to some <laughs> orbs and cubes and things, and we, we find an orb that's yelling in nonstop about the dragon restraints. Mm. Um, but we 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 show it some of Gratia's blood, and it's like, oh, royal family blood, of course. What would you like? And but um, and then we tell it to um give us the access permissions, and it's like, great, we can do that after I complete my firmware update. Mm, mm, mm. This involves also oh, we have to go track down a terminal to see if we can do a firmware update, but it's like thirteen full versions behind, yeah, yeah, yeah. and will take five years. Yeah, so yeah, Alpha yeah. No has to stay behind to like manually remove the restraints. Yeah, yada yada yada. We go back to Tiamat and we get her to try and remember herself and yeah. do the whole thing. It's a it's it's funny, but it's it's a it's a joke that's better experienced in person than heard, heard recapped on a podcast. Leaving him behind, we head back to Tiamat to try and get her to remember herself by having her recount the history of Maricidia and the Algan Empire and that whole conflict, which is a nice little refresher. We haven't heard about it since the coils of Bahamut, basically. <laughs> or maybe and and like the end of Heaven's Word a bit. So while this is happening, Alice tries the detempering treatment. Um, and after a lot of effort, a fucking lot of effort, the treatment succeeds and Tiamat is herself again. We release the shackles and Tiamat pledges herself and her brood to the fight. Awesome. Well, good thing, because next quest, Flames of War, Lunar Bahamut has been sighted over um, Paglathan. Yes, I think we get Link shelled in. To, we get we get deployed to war. Uh, it's a village in Amalja territory in the southern Thanalan region, basically. And the Alliance have all dispatched troops, but it's going to be a fierce-ass battle. Also of note, Lunar Bahamut not tempering people the way other primals do. So normal soldiers can just fight them. That's fun. They don't have to worry. I mean, they're going to probably still worry about dying, but not getting tempered at least. So that's one, one thing not to worry about. Oh, oh, I have a note here. It's the... Hey! Hey, buddy. Hey, are you eating the salmon? Oh, fuck. I think, I think the dungeon recap might have eaten your salmon. I need to go back to the, okay, I need to go to the okay. store. Yeah, all right. Well, that sucks. I'm sorry about that. I'm sure he'll, I'm sure he'll have. Okay, well, put it down. This is coming out of your paycheck. Oh, no, my rand! Do we pay him? Yes, we pay him, we pay him 50 rand. 25 per dungeon. I'm sorry, we pay him 50 grand? Rand. Rand. South African rand. South African rand, okay. (laughs) He doesn't know this. The exchange rate is really low. (laughs) Oh, 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 here he comes. I'm a rand! Uh, Oh, God, that was good salmon. Uh, uh, Anyway, yeah, Pagathar, dungeon time! Okay, okay. So this is one of the this is one of the military encounter dungeons that we always get at the end of the at the end of the expansion. <laughs> this time it's we're running we're running along we're fighting tempered dragons tempered soldiers and the first boss is a lightning cat for some reason. <laughs> yeah, it sure is lightning cat. All right, we gotta take the lightning nodes to the lightning things and it's, I don't know why there's a fucking lightning cat here. Whatever, kill it. The second boss is ads plus a cube. <laughs> Yeah, this boss is very weird. It's a cube up on like a ledge, and every time we kill the adds, we can then get up to the cube and attack it, and then we get knocked back down, and then we kill the adds and get back up to the cube. Yeah, that's right. That's pretty cool. And then the final boss is, of course, Luna Bahamut. I gotta say, real like pushover of a fight. Not that bad. Yeah, pretty much. The, his his airways are pretty well telegraphed. More bark than bite. This dungeon was really boring to have to do a whole lot at the end of an expansion. Because there was nothing else to do for expert roulette. <laughs> I've run it so many times. Oh, that's you've been through this so many times? That's right. I play Final Fantasy XIV. 
How do you think I got this job? Think I'm unqualified? I earned my rant. Give me my rant. All right, here's your rant. <laughs> Woo, I got it. Hey. Not going to cast any aspersions? This is only 15 rand. Yeah, well, the salmon you ate cost 35 rand. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I learned my lesson. All right, I'll see you next episode. Yeah, see you later. Bye. All right, he's gone. And he walked, he ran all over my desk. <laughs> I still need to replace that salmon. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, okay. Uh, end of dungeon. Uh, Tiamat thanks us for setting her and her kin free, and vows never to bow to the whims of Asians again. Which good call. Good idea. We are approached by the leader of the Amalja, who now declare peace <laughs> as a way to commemorate the sacrifices of the fallen. We're just making peace all over the place. We put the tower behind us, but the game cuts to a has a different idea. It cuts to a moment earlier. And we get a bit of narration inside the tower with Arnvald and Fordola, our favorite NPCs. The ins- Well, Fordola more so than Arnvald. The inside of the tower, as it uh, turns out, is super gross. There's a bunch of Amalja trapped inside fleshy ho- holes in the walls. Very Geiger, very Silent Hill too. Do you ever play Silent Hill 2? I've never played Silent Hill 2. I've seen some screenshots. It's very gross. We might we might have a game on our hands in a in a certain October. Okay, <laughs> we might have a we, we might we might have a game on our hands in the future. Um, anyway, Arnvald tries to uh, free one of them, and he just sets off a big old alarm. Yeah, and the uh, the Amalja trapped inside, they're forced to summon Lunar Ifrit, mm-hmm. and there's mm-hmm. a big old thing. He uh, slashes at Fordola, and Arnvald kind of dashes in to save her, and cut to black. Yeah, that's a that's a. That's a brick joke for a year from now, but you, once you once you get to that part in Silent Hill 2, you will know what I'm talking about. I'm sure I will. When the dust settles, this is a big, long-ass fuck quest right before the end of 5.5. We make it back to Ulda. We are greeted by the Sultana. She has urgent news from the uh, doctor's office. Uh, one of the two soldiers uh, on the mission was gravely wounded and dragged back by the other. We rush back, and it's uh, Arnvald. He's in the infirmary. Mm-hmm. And uh, we join um, Alphano uh, with Anastinian in the infirmary to check on him. Yeah. Um, we're So we're waiting outside with Fordola mm-hmm. as, like, you know, kind of like waiting to hear on um, Arnvald's condition. And Fordola and Alphano actually get into a pretty heated argument here. Uh, she kind of shoves him around, and she berates him for being weak of heart. She's like, we were going into danger. We knew bad things might happen to us. You can't expect that no one will get hurt in pursuit of doing like what matters and she's both correct and also in pain and lashing out at his idealism and i think that it's actually a pretty good scene at sort of like balancing those two things like she's clearly sort of coming from a really raw emotional place and also she is kind of correct that Mm -hmm. like that you can't be too like you you can't hold on to this idealism too tightly because things that are worth doing come with costs she's right and she should say it um and like I get what they're going for here. Part of the problem, though, is that I don't care about Arnvald very much. Yeah. And so Alphano's, Alphano's emotional investment... I am not emotionally invested in Alphano's emotional investment in him. This could have and maybe should have been Lise. Yeah. Lise was also attacked. Why? What came of that? Oh, that though, especially with what we find out, that would have been a really bold decision. Yeah, right? Like, she just didn't see that coming, and so she got attacked. That would have been neat. Oh, well, well at least they're... 
I don't know. At least they're trying to tie this thread up. I don't care for it, though. We leave him in the doctor's care and attend a meeting with the leaders of the Alliance. How are the Telophoroi controlling the souls of their captives to make them summon primals? That's fucked up. But the thing, the thing that the effects that we observe lead, are leading us to believe that they are invoking the gods of the, of the tribes for the good of Garlemalt. So rather than having their gods be the center of their own sort of ideology, Garlemald itself is the center of the ideology and, and the, and the, and, um, what the souls are doing inside the tower is for, is all in, in service to this nation. Yes. Uh, and so that's how this tempering is the impossible in theory. And we get word that there's a much bigger tower in Garlemald that's tempering everybody around in a much wider radius, which is a big ol' yikes. But on a lighter note, the Amalja have pledged to the cause, and we're on track to get all the tribes on board with our agenda to battle the Tala... can never say this word. The Telophoroi. Oh, it's one of many fancy Final Fantasy words that we are... I'm going to have to learn how to say right, or I'm going to eat my words. Remember... <laughs> It's like an actual like Greek word, or like it's like a Greek composite. Very, like, very Greek inspired. Um, man, I should have you be reading these so I can make fun of you. <laughs> we always do that. We're switching it up, okay? <laughs> it's true. You need to make fun of me when I fuck it up. Now that that's settled, we are head to back. We are headed back to the Rising Stones, where Kryle has some things to share. Three precisely. Oh, oh no! It's October, and there's a number. It is I again, Count NPC. Oh, that's what we're doing. <laughs> Remember me? Yeah, yeah. I'm very different from Stormboo Vampire. Yeah, okay? Mul- mul- that's my cousin. You sound very, very similar. Everyone gets us mistaken, and it's very upsetting. I'm I sure am it's... Count NPC. You do look very different. You're like tall and green, whereas he was like, you know, short yes. and yellow. Thank you very much for pointing out that I do not have jaundice. <laughs> my skin is a healthy green. One, uh, I've, I've got something to count here, and I'm going to get started. Let's not waste any time. One, uh, let's petition Charlie, and surely now they'll stop being recluses now that the world is about to be over. Final days, am I right? Two. That's, that's the first thing Kyle has. Yes. Where the fuck is mom at? <laughs> it's been three expansions since we've heard Heidelin's voice. She's not made any new warriors of light that we've heard of or anything either. Is she in trouble? We don't know. She's ghosting us. And we're feeling abandoned. We have to go to therapy to deal with that. What is she? A gay man? Charlian has also been real quiet on this front, knowing they've been in contact with her with the anti-tower and stuff. It's pretty suspicious. Three. Estenian, now that you're here, can you please stop being so hard to reach and join us? Jesus Christ! It would be great if we didn't have to contact the Yakuza to blackmail you into doing any work. Just be part of the main cast, dude. Just join us. We're like, we're all friends at this point. Oh, my power is fading. I'm out of things to count. I'm back. Anyway, uh, Quile's like, I'm going to go off to Charlie and I'm going to talk to these elitist jerks. And certainly they will definitely agree to join us in our fight against the uh, Telophoroi. And in so many words, Asinian say, okay. Asinian okay, says, I okay, help. he will stick okay, around. I help. Yes, I help. It's great. Do you like that bit that I totally didn't rip from a bim bam about donuts? <laughs> it was great. It's a good bit. All the bits are good. <laughs> Meanwhile, in Garlemald. <laughs> 
Xenos uh, apparently so had like the, the floor in front of Xenos is strewn with like 300 different types of swords um, that he's encountered all of them stabbed into the ground and none of them are interesting to him so he and um, Fan Daniel do a little tete-a-tete and Xenos yeah. hones in on a weapon on the floor and he's like but this I like this and he picks it up and he's like we're not gonna i guess we'll find out what he picked up yeah this this is the second time around i noticed that all the weapons on the floor are actually weapons that the warrior of light can get oh <laughs> they're like primal weapons i saw like biako's axe i saw like an alexander spear and stuff um it's pretty cool that's so funny <laughs> uh but yes for the next couple of quests uh we start with an alliance meeting uh, can we agenda can we unite everyone including the tribes to strike at the Telofaroi? The beast tribe leaders all pour in. In their own special ways, with their own speaking quirks, they all accept the union with the alliance on behalf of the tribes. Uh, thus, on this day, the grand company of Eorzea was born. Alfino cries. <laughs> he lets out he lets out tears. He's very emotional. Because this is, of course, his, his original dream. idea with the Crystal Braves. Uh, speaking of the Crystal Braves, we're going to skip a brief, pointless segment about interviewing former, former Crystal Braves. It does not matter. And get to the part where we are made aware from a Gerdanian messenger that there is a Charlian envoy that specifically requests the presence of the twins and a meeting at Nofika's altar in Gerdania with Kane Sena. Maybe this will be a part where Kane Sena makes herself valuable and interesting. Yeah, like that's got to happen at some point, right? Hmm. They immediately, uh, the twins immediately clock the envoy as being their father. They said, oh my God, it has to be him. So they immediately, we all go, um, and at the altar in Gridania, in walks a very tall, Elysian man named Fortuno Levieur. And he introduces himself as a representative of the Charlian Forum. And I want to I want to break this conversation up because there's three parts to this conversation yeah, that yeah, we yeah. have. Part one, greeting Alphano and Alice. Hey, great to see you. You're looking really healthy. Your mother will be so happy. It's really nice to like, you know, reconnect mm-hmm. again. I hear you've been doing great things out in the world. Or like maybe not that bit. I don't know. No. Maybe he's I, something he's very, very, very really pleasant. Nice. He's he's happy to see them. Yeah. Uh, part two, delivering the news. Uh, without mincing any words, Charlian will not be intervening in this conflict. And also, um, for spreading false ideals out in the world, he completely uh, disowns Alphano and Alice completely and says they can no longer use the family name before walking away without any negotiation. Yeah. I guess it was just two parts. But... No, it's three. It's a, yeah. <laughs> he is a uh, very, he's very down to earth. Down to earth? What? No, he's not. He's very down to business. Um, very, uh, uh, he believes in the Charlian way and um, will not hear any other opinion about it. He's very stubborn, like a certain other couple of, I guess, not living yours anymore that we know. <laughs> <laughs> so in some in some ways very very well introduced consistent character with the world um that is a total scumbag <laughs> and we're like um well we didn't expect that because the world's gonna be destroyed we thought that would be enough to get their attention he uh, is he uh, as speaking for Charlian, he is very much confident that the world is not being destroyed and that they would know if the world was being destroyed because they know everything and they're Charlian and they are better than everyone. So he leaves with that mentality. Um, after after this, Kryle calls at an opportune time. I mean, the, the, the kids have some emotional moments here. They don't just... Yeah. They're not just like, oh, okay. You know, they have some... Really, they're pretty upset. They're pretty fucking upset, but they're like... Well, what is there to do but stay the course, right? 
After this, Kryle calls and lets us know that something the fuck is up in Charlian, okay? The Charlians here are just pretending that I'm not that I'm not here. I'm not talking to them uh, as if the Telephoroi the, the aren't real or at least not a real threat. None of my concerns are being fielded. They're just like walking by. They know something and they're keeping us out and they're not allowed to say anything about it. And Graha re- recalls a phrase that he said, that Levier said, Monsignor Levier. <laughs> Monsignor Levier. <laughs> I'm calling him that. He said, if the final days were here, we would know it. Maybe he's not bluffing. Maybe he knows something. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's true. And if that were, if it were the case, if the final days were not here. Wait, is Fan Daniel's plan actually not to kill everyone? Who knows, right? Uh, that's what this scene is like. Wait, maybe, maybe, what if we take that at face value? <laughs> What's going on? Right? Maybe they know more than they're letting on. So let's go to Charlian and figure out what the fuck's going on. What is Endwalker about? <laughs> okay, death until dawn. Okay, um. There's so many questions. It's a great way to start an expansion. A lovely sylph emissary flies in frantically and fl- says that there's Garlians and Zelfatol capturing people, capturing Ixalia and capturing Kirthens and headed to Cartnell. They are headed off. We head off. Uh, to get an airship, but we are intercepted before this mission by Fordola, who leads us somewhere without any words. She says, shut up and follow me. And then we are reunited with Arinvald, who is alive and well and seated permanently. Yes. Arinvald yes. now uses a, a wheelchair. wheelchair. He's in a wheelchair. He's in a wheelchair with wooden wheels. Which drove you crazy because that you immediately checked nuts. your crafting menu. I was like, there's rubber in this world. They couldn't make, like, wooden wheels would suck. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> Rubber would be great. Imagine the fuck. <laughs> Just having to roll over any fucking cobblestone I, over here with no I impact mean, reduction. This world in general is not set up for people with wheelchairs. Oh my like, gosh. Like, I don't. Yeah, yeah seriously. Uh, like, this, I noticed too the, the where the infirmary was, the door was stairs. <laughs> <laughs> Only stairs. I, I clocked it. I couldn't say anything at the time. I was like, I should have. I should have been like, huh? Weird that there's only maybe, stairs here. <laughs> maybe they got a ramp in the back. Our um, involved is like but, you know. Yeah, I, I checked the crafting log. I was like, there's rubber in this universe, and you know what level that rubber is at? Level seven. <laughs> Fucking any alchemist can make rubber. It's so funny. Anyway, Arnvald is giving off some science. He's giving up on being a hero because you know it's a it's a lot to process. He's got, he's got a lot to 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 accept. But Fordola, conditions. of all people, is like, no, look, heroes aren't just forged in battle, and there's still plenty that you can do to make a difference, yeah, which is true. true and a good thing to say. It is not the end of the world to become disabled, she's, and she's, she's right. right and she should say it. That's the for the third time she's right, and she should say it. Uh, we um, now go into a solo duty that I'm going to recap pretty briefly. We rush into battle with the Scions at Cartineau. It's the same map that is, I believe, secure in the PvP rotation, if you do that ever. Which we'll, maybe we'll delve into a little bit more once we're stop, stopping with the MSQ, because it's actually kind of fun. Um, fighting different Lunar Primals, as we could take control of different Scions, uh, that are attempting to harness the ether that their ether currents that are throughout Cartineau. Um, and Fandaniel is like in the air, summoning these glyphs for where they are. And then the primals show up there to try and harness the ether. And of course, they're trying to bring it back to that big old tower. After quite a few battles, the confluences are protected, but we do suffer some casualties. Alice is off curing people's tempering for the ones that aren't physically altered. Um, 
And we did mention that in order to cure people's temperance, they have to be not so far that they're physically altered. We can't undo that. Level, or, right? Oh, was it that we... That's like well, the threshold. Like, but could we still untamper them and they would just be trapped in their more modified bodies? Or I don't want to... Oh, I don't want to think about that. Okay. Either. <laughs> it might not be good for them. I think that would... I think they just stay fiends. Yeah. Um. Anyway, the confluences are protected. Fandaniel fucks off, says we only delayed the inevitable, as all theatrical villains are supposed to say. Um. And after this bittersweet sort of victory... The moon begins to shine through the clouds, and we all look up at the moon as for one final time. The Shadowbringers theme shreds in, the screen fades to black, and credits roll for Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers. It's a real good theme. It's really fucking great. It's a good theme to play over credits. Yeah. Post-credits, back at the Rising Stones, we task ourselves as a group with laying the towers low. Hopefully we find a solution to the tempering problem so that we can get in there and blow them up. Of course, our best bet would be to head to the capital of Etherofancy Magic Study itself, Charlian, and figure out what the fuck they know about the final days. Two reasons to go. Finally, we get to go to the real one, not an empty colony. Yeah, we're going to the big old white city itself. Yes, so um, meanwhile, bodies fall and Xenos has his new weapon, a nasty, bony-looking scythe. Enormous-looking scythe. They're in Garlemald. Uh, Ick! Since the plan at Cartno failed, they'll need more ether. They refer to a, quote, dreaming one, unquote. That is a wellspring of ether who shall not complain, I guess. He's not conscious. Fandaniel turns back and looks up at a towering spiny spire of spines. Everything around them is complete and utter rubble. Um, before where there once was a shining metropolis of Garlemald is nothing. Xenos looks up at the moon while he awaits us. And boy, there sure is a lot of moon talk. Isn't that weird? This actually, wait, really quick here. I guess I'm just kind of realizing now, Fandaniel doesn't give a shit about Zodiac, does he? Like, at least it's presented so far. I'm like, wait, is, like, is Zodiac out of this story? Well, he certainly doesn't, uh, he doesn't care about, you know, Zodiac as a protector, right? He's definitely, if, if... I guess I just, like, I kind of, like, I'm just realizing now that, like, maybe, like, a the Endwalker is not entirely about Zodiac in the way that I thought it was probably going to be. Maybe, maybe it's not. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> back in Mordana, Yustola is divining some ether or some bullshit. Who knows? She's fucking dowsing some with her with her fancy fancy schmancy ether vision. She senses a dis- disturbance, a disturbance of the currents. I've had a week too, man. I'm just gonna plow through this. Uh, the closer they are to the towers, the ether dims. So the towers are just taking it from the land, much like how there were kind of spots. Before the eighth unbroke calamity was averted, right? Where, yes. you know the, the the land was being driven sucked dry. So. I mean, is this also kind of like the thing that like was used to like power that big old wall in the desert, like sort of like big old structures that mm, suck the so. ether out of the yeah, ground? Probably. It's uh, hard to deny the towers that ether really if they're just taking it from the fucking land. So that's not good. Then out of nowhere, we hear a voice. As everyone's leaving, we hear a voice. It says, hear me, darkness comes, the fate of the stars in our hands, and a vision of a woman in white appears before us. Shocking. And nobody else. And we, we, we turn to look at her, and they turn to look at us, and they say, and we, they're like, what was that? And we're like, nothing. <laughs> and it cuts to black, and that is the end of Shadowbringer. <laughs> okay. That is the hook into Endwalker. We have made it through. You've now seen the trailer. I've seen the trailer. You've seen the trailer. It's, a it's the best one trailer. trailer so far. Oh, it's a, such a good fucking trailer. It reveals very little about what to expect. I think apart from said, apart from the moon, apart from, apart the, from moon. the bit where we're on the moon, we on the moon, 
Every- Which I'm, I'm wondering how we get there. I am wondering. Are like that- are like are like twenty five quests just like like the trolley quests, but we're building like the Apollo program. We're just like okay, we got to go get all the stuff quests, to build quests that are just the actual travel speed to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is going to do it. Um, curtain up for Final Fantasy Shadowbringers. Loved you. Fantastic expansion. Um, it was really wonderful for me to revisit. I'm sure it was wonderful for you to play. But we are moving on to Endwalker Ear, Silver Ear Pastures in the Moon. Out of purple and into the silver. I actually, I have been curious almost if like if Endwalker would be a bit of a step back because of how good Shadowbringers was. But then you said, oh man, Endwalker is so good. You have no idea. And Endwalker, I'm like, oh, Endwalker okay. Gonna, Endwalker is going to clap your cheeks. Okay. Um, at least the, the <laughs> Mine <part> specifically? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at least the part we're going to cover is. Um, and that is going to do it for the Final Fantasy XIV recap segment of our podcast we have a little bit of time to pay the bill so i'm not going to waste any of it alex take us to the market board okay well you know i don't so normally when we get an ad we're like it's submitted via like an email or whatever like i correspond with someone in like pr or I, like i the keep ad purchase- telling them to send it to our you know our normal communal email stormbuds podcast mm-hmm. at gmail.com no so th- this one is it, it arrived a bit a bit odd Oh, so it wasn't an email at all? No, I was walking down the street and a piece of paper stuck to my shoe. And as I went down to pick it up, a pigeon dropped a quarter on my head. Uh And now a quarter is more than we make on most of these ads. So I was like, Mm. well, I think I've just been paid to read this thing on air. So I'm going to, I'm going to read you the text here for, um, a product called the truth beam. Yeah. For full disclosure, usually what we make on these ads is about five rand. About five rand. Yeah. It's a lot less than a quarter. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the Truth Beam, this is a product called Truth Beam X. Truth Beam X develops analog truth beams. Truth Beam X is a PIGMIE limited experimental venture. Uh, current experiments use digital projectors, cameras, and models. Hmm. Currently, reactors, typically a non-linear medium or mirrored cavity, are built from aluminum cans and foil and cracked glass marbles. Current results are more interesting than useful. The ultimate goal is decentralized analog consensus. All steps occur simultaneously. E.g., Alice and Bob, A and B, project the output of their one-way function reactors onto themselves, intermingling their scene states with those of their reactors. Is it okay A and if B I, like, project- go to the bathroom during this? Because what the fuck... <laughs> A and B project into reactors, e.g. a resonance cavity and or orb, the output of their video-to-video model applied to their camera signals. What? A and B apply a video-to-video model to their one-way function reactors' camera signals, sending the output to their scene projectors and dimensional reduction reactors. I go piss. Dimensional reduction reactors, with many inputs and few outputs, project all other system signals as input and generate a camera signal as an output. These outputs are used to, as input recursively, or to other systems. Pissing. Pissing now that is the opposite of shitty. That is a real ad that someone paid for. If it sounds like the truth beam meets any of your requirements, I would encourage you to contact this vendor because it appears they have a product for you. Did everyone get that? This week we are apparently sponsored by Truth Beam. Thank you. Is a wonderful thing to do. You can come back now. Oh God. That was a good piss. Did you like my pissing song? It was a little aharmonic, but I, it was um I, per- I I came up with it myself, and I didn't steal it from Brian Jordan Alvarez. I believe One, you. 100%. Wonderful content creator. You wouldn't lie to me. I would never lie to you. Um, what the fuck? 
This is a real step, ad. Step out of the bit and explain what the fuck that you just made everyone listen to. I just, I, I, this got served to me on X, the platform formerly known as Twitter, the other week. You know, look, look at this. Okay. I took a screenshot. This no. is, someone paid real money to have this displayed to people. Someone really oh. was like, yes, this is the pitch for my services. Okay, can I can I um, pitch uh, a method of communication to you? Yes. Instead of saying X, formerly Twitter, just say Twitter.com. Twitter.com. Because that's what it is. It's, it's, it's tw- still Twitter.com. It is still Twitter.com. You can just call it Twitter.com. It's Twitter.com. No, but yeah, see, you saw, So you saw this on Twitter.com. I saw this, I saw this on Twitter.com, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. This is a, it says add up in the corner. Someone paid for this. It does. I see that. We're gonna drop this in our Discord for sure. For sure, please, you have to. You I have will, to do this. Yes, I will send this. You can't not send this. Um, and our Discord, you can find along with our other socials at the link pop in the description of this episode. We would love to see you there. We also really appreciate we've gotten an extra review since our last episode. Thank you so much for doing that. You can review our podcast on your podcasting platform of choice. About there's a good chunk of you that have made it 39 episodes into this podcast, and I'm not. I mean, you don't all have to do it, but if you're this far in, you may as well. You probably could have done it when Alex was verbatim reading that ad to you. (laughs) Oh, I only read half the ad. You only read half the ad? Oh, the, no. The, I read the second half. It talks about the actual product. I did not read the first half that details how competitors' products work. What the? What are... Comp- <laughs> I, no, no. I'm not asking that question. I'm ending the episode. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Storm Buds. The next episode, we're going to start Endwalker! Endwalker! 6.0! We're going to do the first chapter of it that is going to take us through the first halves of Zone 1 and Zone 2. I'm not going to say what they are yet, because mm. saying them out loud is... I mean, we we knew what they were going to be because of the fan fest, but I'll keep you in the dark. Okay, I mean, we're going to Charlian, right? I assume we're going to be... That's going to be part of it. Like, it looks like that's the big city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you got stuff around it. Okay, okay. We're going to get to... It doesn't. It doesn't do the thing where it like makes you do a dungeon before you get to the city hub, which was dumb in Storm. Remember that? Yeah, that was was annoying. What the fuck was that? We're going to go straight to the city. Yeah, and then the... It was better in Heaven's Word where that level 51 dungeon was... I'm just switching it in the episode. But the level 51 dungeon was optional. So you could still make it to fucking Ishgard without having done a dungeon. But you just oftentimes didn't. Anyway, uh, Endwalker uh, away. Yes, we're making... We're ostensibly headed straight for a Charlian. What could possibly go wrong? Anyway, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Storm Buds. We will see you uh, in two weeks. And until then, born from Buds, Storm of Buds, we've been the Storm Buds, baby. Wait, what could possibly go wrong? Storm Buds.